had to be very Okay. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to learn a, a topic. This 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 today is going to be the type of topic that everybody understands, everybody knows. You can't act like an animal, but that doesn't mean that sometimes we don't act like animals. You know, road rage. Guy comes to me says, I say, then why aren't you wearing a yarmulke? And the kid says to me, promise, I had this multiple times, because I don't want to make a chalashem when I have road rage. And so I says, just don't do the road rage. Like, what? I just don't do that. I told the kid that I have a policy that I don't go any place that I can't wear a yarmulke. You know? If I can't wear it, either because of danger or because of my attitude, let's say if I'm in that location, or because of the type of location it is, then I shouldn't be there, right? Should not be where you can't wear a yarmulke. So we're going to be learning something not like that, but something in the same vein. The Pesach says in this week's Parsha, it says, Pager lo sone, which means a convert. You shouldn't oppress. And you shouldn't like give, be negative to them. You know what? You were in Egypt. You were strangers. You have to remember what that was like. And not only that, but call Almana any convert, I'm sorry, Almana any widow, the Yosom. Or orphan, losanun. You should not cause pain. And then it says like this: Im So if you dare to cause an orphan pain, if you do such a thing, kim When the orphan screams at me, or to me, or the widow screams to me, shomoa eshmatzakoso. I will hear. I will hear that child, that 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 person. The chora api and my wrath will blaze. The haragti eschem b'cherev and I will kill them by sword. V'hoyu neshechem almonos and then your wives will be widows. Uvenechem yisomim and your children will be orphans. Basically, the Torah is telling us. That you better be really careful with converts, how you treat them. And you better be really careful with widows and orphans. You better be careful because God watches out for the oppressed. But not only that, with each per, every person you have to be nice. So we're going to learn a little bit about being nice to people and what we should not be doing. That's what we're going to learn tonight. I have to tell you a, a little bit of a funny story. This is this was that was where this week's parsha. That was in Mishpacha. Yeah. A friend of mine would not go out with with a girl who had lost a parent. He was terrified. Really? He's like, all I need is God to smite me down because I, you know, say something the wrong way to her. There was a. uh, I don't. I don't want to even say where. I'm just going to say Greater New York. There was a a girl. This happened about 15, maybe 20 years ago. And uh, the girl was in a yeshiva out, out of New York City, out of New York State. And her father died. 
and the girl was close to her father. And we're going to see whether you're going to take this out, okay? We're going to see how this goes. And the, the father died. The girl came back to New York, and she was in ninth grade, and she was devastated. She went back to the yeshiva, wherever it was, and all she did was cry. All she did was cry. And when you have a girl in a dormitory who's crying all day and all night, legitimately, she lost her father, the whole place becomes a, 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 like a, a state of depression. So the yeshiva decided that it was in everybody's interest, both for the girl, the family, and for the school, that she returned to New York. The problem was she couldn't get into a yeshiva. So I have a friend who, there was a specific yeshiva that he, that geographically, socioeconomically, religiously, this was the right fit. And the yeshiva wouldn't take her. Wouldn't take her. So he wrote a letter to the principal, the Manal, and said, if you don't take her, this pasuk <laughs> will apply to you. Well, needless to say, the principal didn't like that too much, and that's he got me involved because he was pers- he was a persona non grata in the school. I got the girl into a school, and thank God everything's okay. But, but this is, this is serious. That that was okay. Yeah. All right. It came out fine. Okay, so we're gonna learn. The first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna go through. I think a beautiful Gemara in Chulin about. I mean, it's a lot to this story. But it touches on the idea of being sensitive and nice to people at the end. And actually in the Yushami, not in the Bavli. <clears throat> You've been to, how many people have been to Miron, or to Tzfat? You're on top of the cemetery, okay? You're looking down. Yeah. We're from, right now we're standing on the, the top. art gallery? Uh, you could be in the art gallery, okay? You're looking down the cemetery, on your left, you have the Ariz Mikvah, right? I mean, not right, but correct. And toward the right side, you have the Ariz where he's buried, and you have Rabbi Yosef Karo. It's in your brain. You guys got the picture? So if you go further down, right, all the way on the bottom, who's down there? Pinchas Ben Yair. Pinchas Ben Yair is all the way on the bottom. There's a big tree. And people circle it seven times. Okay, that's that's Pinchas Ben Yair. Pinchas Ben Yair was a Tana, and we're going to learn a little bit about Pinchas Ben Yair tonight. And we're going to um, learn a story about him. Okay? This is the first page, if you want to follow it. it's um, I put a little yellow mark over there. Okay, so it says over here, the Rabbi Pinchas ben Yar have shvuyim. So you know, so Pinchas ben Yar was on a mission. He went to redeem some people from captivity. The idea of 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 people being kidnapped was, is not a new idea. This was something that throughout history you would find somebody who was valuable. You, you know, be a pirate and take the guy or the woman. And then the Jewish community goes, or the other society also, but let's say the Jewish community goes and will do anything in order to ransom 
the captives. Uh, but you guys know the halacha, right? That you're not allowed to sell a Sefer Torah. Right? I can't go upstairs, take the Sefer Torah and use it for a business investment because we have, let's say, five Sefer Torah. Let's just say, I, we don't have five, but let's say we had five. I don't need five Sefer Torah. So I'm going to go take one, sell it, invest it in gold, right? Everybody says gold is going to be going up, Okay. Am I allowed to do that? No. You can't sell it to another shul either? Cannot sell it to another shul. There's only one thing you can do with a Sefer Torah as far as sales purposes. What can You, you can lend it to another shul, but we have an idea called Malin B'Kodesh, which means going up in, in holiness, the Amoridim, and you can't go down. So you can go and take a Gemara, and you can sell a Gemara, in order to buy a, a, a Sefer Torah. You can t- sell a Gemara for the purpose of buying an Oran Kodesh, right? I believe, because that holds a Sefer Torah. But you can't go and sell a Sefer Torah just because you need some money. You cannot sell a Sefer Torah to make a shul. There's only one thing that you could sell a Sefer Torah for. I mean, it's actually two things. Pikuach Nefesh, saving somebody's life, obviously. But what else? What's the main issue that you'll always hear about? For to ransom some to, to ransom somebody. Could you sell a sacred Torah to buy another sacred Torah? That's what he asked. I don't think you can, but I don't want to say no because I'm not a postic on it. So it's possible maybe you could, but certainly you can't go down. Could you auction it to another shul for charity? What does auction mean? Like 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 an auction. For the purpose of making money. Well no. charity. No. No, that's a safer tar is a safer tar. You can't. Again, I, I, if the situation. Has an exception. Gift World has why? They well, do. That. Far, the people who do it as a business, they're allowed, and obviously the sofer is sending, so it must be some okay, point they're allowed to do they're it. They're not really selling the safer tar. You're paying them to write it for you. You're you're paying them for their services, per se, not necessarily for no, the safer tar. I understand what you're saying. Once you've done it, you've, you've never come it. across it. I can't imagine. But, but far, but what about I that? don't think you've but ever. People called... make a business out of out of selling svarim, Judaica stores. Judaica, no, the svarim is not a problem. It's a safer Torah that's the problem. Yeah, but isn't there different levels? Like that's just the highest level, or svarim. I don't think there's. I don't think there's a difference between selling a chumash, but also we're talking about a secondhand situation. You're talking about taking this chumash now and going and selling it because you want the money from there. I don't know many people that have ever. I, I mean, I'm sure there must be people that sell svarim for the purpose of getting money and then reselling it, but I don't know too many people that do that. Yeah, all right. Okay, you bought it from him, so what do you do with the money? Okay, that's his issue, but it's an issue. It's an issue for him. But everybody will agree that the highest thing that you could do is Pidyon Shvuyim, taking somebody out of prison. Now, it is true that when we talk about Pidyon Shvuyim, just because we're touching on this, the the question would arise, we're just starting now about a story about about, uh, Pinchas ben Ya'er, who was a Tana, and he was on his way to redeem some Jewish captives, okay? So there is a discussion as to whether getting somebody out of a white-collar crime type of 
jail in upstate New York where people have dafyomi shirim, whether that's called pidyon shavuyim or not. You know what I mean? Of redeeming somebody who's been captive. But you gotta just or put in your mind for a prison. moment. But a prison, I'm saying. So just be mind. Put your put in your brain. Think about the the the. I don't want to say colloquial, but the traditional idea of a prison or of of being being captured was being in a hole in Afghanistan. You know what I mean? And that the the Taliban were coming to kill you at any given time or to rape the women whenever they could. So I mean, it's not exactly the same as being in a prison in upstate. Although I'm not saying that 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 disqualifies, but I'm just saying. It might be different, is okay? Is bail even considered in the first place? What? Is bail even considered? I don't know what bail means. Bail is bail just is... a way to keep people out of prison. I don't know what it is. But that's a halacha question that I'm not, I don't know about. But maybe, maybe bail is considered the pigeon shvuyim. It could be. I don't know. Maybe. So, anyway, he's on his way, right? He's on his way to go and get somebody out of prison. By the way, you should just know. That um, you've probably heard of uh, Rottenberg, uh, the Maharami Rottenberg. He was captured for the purpose of ransom, and he refused to allow the 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 people to give the ransom because there is a problem that if you allow people to ransom you, then you're encouraging this to happen. So there's all sorts of questions and discussion it's, it's on it. It's the same thing as like you're not supposed to buy filling off of a gun, right? Like if there's, if, 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 if they have it or something, they find there's something else to buy. It's a whole issue because you can't, you, on one side you have to keep holiness and protect holiness, right? Like, you know, you have the leading halakhic authority of the generation of many generations so you don't want him to be stuck in some hole in the ground in in germany or wherever it was right at the same time at the same time if you if you capitulate and you give money to the the somalian pirates then tomorrow the somalian pirates are going to go and take another boat you know what i mean if you so it's 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 a big issue in halacha. So anyway, what happens? Pogabe beginai nahara. He comes, you know, he's walking on his way, and he comes in contact with a river by the name of Ginai. Okay? Amorle. So the river, Amorle, so he says to the river, right? That's what we do. We talk. He talks to, he says to the river. Ginai chalokli meimach ve'evarbach. Split river, split because I got to get to the other side of the river because I'm in the middle of doing this amazing mitzvah. I got to get on the other side. I can't spend the time going around the river, so you have to split. Now you have to understand that what like Kriyas Yamsef exactly. So you have to understand that Pinchas Ben Yair was a massive tzaddik, and we we're not going to spend time right now going through all the Gemaras about him. But we're not talking about a regular person, okay? So he says to the river, "You have to split." Amalei. So the river replies. By the way, Tosos discusses what does it mean that the river speaks back. The river replies, "Listen." You're on the way doing God's will, doing a mitzvah. That's true. 
I'm also doing what God wants. God wants the river to flow. I am doing what God wants. God wants there to be air in this room. God put into nature the rules of nature. And therefore, I am following what God... You're doing what God wants by saving this person who's in prison. Well, I'm also doing what I have to do, and therefore I don't want to split in half. But he says, because the river says, the difference between me and you is, you don't know if you're going to succeed. Right? Ata Suffolk, Osa Suffolk, Iata Osa. We don't know if you're going to be successful. Ani Vade Osa. But I know that the water continues by me. In here. In other words, like you're on the mission to save somebody. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. But I, on the other hand, I'm on the mission of having the water continue. We know that's going to happen. So Tosu says about this there are two options. You can look at Tosus on the left side, Amale. He says, so Shema, so there's two opinions as to what does it mean that the river's talking here. One approach is that it's the Sar Shalyam, which means that it's like the spiritual governor of of all water body, of of the bodies. And that every every um, every body on this earth, every every um ocean every river every everything has its it's 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 heavenly director and that's who's talking that some sort of angel like an angel yeah like every just like we have a guardian angel you know that we believe that we have every person has a guardian angel and that's why sometimes you're driving and you're absolutely not looking in the mirror and you're absolutely not, you know, you got soundproof windows or whatever, and you are going to make a, a quick left, and for some reason you don't make that left, and then you see a car come out of your blind spot. Do you know what I'm talking about? We all know what I'm talking about. It happens all the time. That's the angel telling you, because you have an angel that's watching you, you know? Okay, that's an example of it. So that's one opinion. The other opinion is... That Pinchas ben Yair, when he says that the angel was saying that the that the river was saying this or the river was saying that, it was speculation that had that if there if the river could talk, this is what the river would say. It wasn't like he heard the river talking, because rivers don't talk. Birds talk. Shlomo Melch knew how how you know what the birds were saying. Rivers don't talk. No way. Amole, at that point, Pinchas ben Yar gets a little stronger, and he says, I decree upon you, if you don't listen, I decree upon you that water will never flow in your riverbed. In other words, you're done, and I can do that because I'm Pinchas ben Yar. I'm a big tzaddik. I can do that. So if you don't make my life easier, if you don't open up the and, and make the split, you're just going to be, let's see, a nice dry river. Where's a nice dry river? The Grand Canyon. You know, part of the Grand Canyon anyway. That's that's what's going to happen. Cholakli. Okay. At that point, what do you think happens? The river splits. Okay.
At that point, okay, Pinchas Ben Yar goes through the river. There was a person that was also walking with Pinchas Ben Yar who happened to have matzah with him. Amalei. So Pinchas Ben Yar says to the river, you know what? You got to split for this guy too. Why? The mitzvah, he's doing a mitzvah. So you got to open river, open up and split that this guy doesn't have to go all the way around. We don't want to do that. Let him walk through. So the river splits. There was an Arab merchant, Dilave Bahade, who is there? Amalei. So Pinchas ben Yar says, You got to split for the Arab merchant also. You know why? Because we can't have it that people say that we are not kind and not appropriate with our guests or with regular people. If you got a guy with you and he's walking with you, then you have to you have to take care of him also, which is pretty crazy. Now, watch what happens. That story is found in the Gemara in the Yerushalmi. This is page two. That's Gemara. Now, the Yerushalmi was written about two to three hundred years before the Bavli. Okay, Yerushalmi is written first in, in Jerusalem. And then you have a couple hundred years, and the Bavli is the, the Babylonian is written later. In the Yerushalmi, there's another story. Okay? I put a little yellow on the page. This is on page number two. Amalei Talmidov. This is the point I wanted to get to. Amalei Talmidov. So his students said to him, Pinchas Ben Yar, remember, the river splits for Pinchas Ben Yar. The river splits for the man carrying matzah because he's on his way to do a mitzvah. The river splits for the Arab merchant because, after all, he's with you, and out of being, out of courtesy, we're going to let him get through it also. An easy pass. Amalei Talmidov. This the Yerushalmi takes uh, takes that story and then continues with two more lines, which is not found in the Bavli. Now, if you want to know how I knew this, it's not because I'm this big genius and I know the Bavli's and Yerushalmi's in my sleep. No, it's because I got it from this this over here, which is a very nice safer written by Art Scroll, which has a history of all different people and all different of the Gemara people. So I looked up Pinchas Ben Yair to see what they were what what it said about him, and it quoted the Yerushalmi on it. I said. That's right, I know the Yerushalmi now. Okay, that's <laughs> that's where I got that from. Amalei Talmidov. So his students said to Pinchas Ben Yar, Yecholim Anan Avrin, can we also pass? Can we get a free pass through the river that just split? I mean, it's a cool thing. First of all, not only saves time, but imagine you go home, you tell your family, you know, you know, you read about the splitting of the of the of the Jordan River and the Red Sea. Well, you know, you know where I was today. I went through that. I went through a different river. That's like a pretty cool thing to tell the kids. I'm a, I'm alone. So he says. By the way, you should just know the Babylonian. Talmud is a little different in the Aramaic than the Jerusalem Talmud. I'm alone. So he tells, he, Rapinus Ben Yero says this to Talmudim. Man di yoda benafshe. 
if you know in your heart that you never hurt a Jewish person from the time you were born, if you're convinced that you never hurt anybody, we're not talking about whether you kept Shabbos perfectly. We're not talking about whether you know whether you ever messed up in a bracha or whatever. But that wasn't the criteria. If you're sure that you never hurt anybody, Yavor, then you can go through the river. Otherwise, you cannot go through the river. You've got to make sure. Now, from just the assumption that the Babylonian Talmud, written later, did not include that part of the story. It would sound to me like his students didn't feel that they never hurt anybody. Otherwise, they would have gone through the, the, the river. Hey, okay. Now, with that in mind, we're going to learn. It's, uh, there are how many sections of Shulchan Aruch are there? The Torah Jewish Law. You have Arachayim, which is your, the, the daily living, right? Arachayim. Daily living, which would include the laws of Shabbos, laws of Brachas, laws of Tefillin, laws of Shabbos, uh, you know. Okay. Then what, what do we have next? Well, we do have Choshen Mishpat, which we're going to learn right now. Choshen Mishpat is jurisprudence, right? All the the laws of business and all that. Then we have Yeridea, which is Kashrus, basically, and dealing with non-Jews dealing with honoring your parents, the laws of Talmud Torah, that's three. Then there's a section called Noshim, all the laws of women. Anything else? Ebenezer. Ebenezer, that's marriage. All right, we're good. Noshim is not part of it, it's Ebenezer, I'm sorry about that. Okay, so those are the four. So we are going to learn the halachas found. It's number 228. In Choshen Mishpat, these are the laws about not hurting people. Did you know that there's a section called the laws of not hurting people? Let me have one. So I say I, I go over the same uh, same ones. Okay, so we'll go through a little bit here. Kishem number one. Kishem just like Shaonus Memkar, just like. There's laws of not hurting people financially. There's also hurting people, like the idea of sticks and stones. You hear that, that, that thing? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt you. Right? Not true. Not true. It says over here, not only that, but that not only is it prohibited to hurt somebody verbally, but it's worse to hurt somebody verbally than it is to financially hurt the person. You know why? Because you know what? When you hurt somebody financially, you'll say you stole $10 from a person. You can give them back $10. And not only can you give them back $10, but if you really want to be a nice guy, you can give them an Amazon $1,000 gift card. And they will be very happy that you took the $10. They will be so happy, they will even offer that you take another $10 from them and give you back another $1,000. But when it comes to emotional stress and duress, it doesn't work that way. You can't make the person feel... It's like nobody, like when you really hurt somebody, 
can't make it bad. You can't make it. I mean, you can try and make it better, but it's really bad. It's really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone want to say anything? No. Number two. Number base. You got to be really, really careful about not hurting a convert. That's the first thing it says here. Both financially and emotionally. You got to go out of your way and not hurt the convert. Why? Because it says over here. Because there are so many times, Visha, who's our Allah Bekamakomos? Because the Torah tells us so many times. So we really have to be careful. Number three, this applies to the married people and maybe to not married people because we're all around women. Sorry, yeah, Ishto. You gotta be super careful with the wife. Why? The Visha Dimosel Matsuya, because they cry. So we got to be super careful because men are not, women are not men. Now, it turns out from my, I don't know, but the Gemara says that you have to worry about the women because they're so sensitive. So did we change? Did something change in the world? Is this, no, is this a change that the men became like, that we're the criers and we're the ones who... No, the men are apologizing because the women are crying. <laughs> okay, it could be. It's an interesting phenomenon. Okay, let's go fight it over here. Yeah. Okay, so let's go through some of the things that are prohibited. Let's talk about some of the things that are prohibited. The first thing you're going to read, I'm going to read it to you, and I'm going to tell you a story that happened with me and Avi. Okay? Kate Sadhu Onos Tavart. What does it mean to hurt people? You know, let's talk about examples. Lo Yomar, you don't, you're not allowed to go into a store and say, How much is this object in the window? And you don't have any interest in buying it. So I was, my son Avi was very into baseball cards. He, every Wednesday, I used to buy him a magazine called the Beckett. You know what a Beckett is? Okay, you want to tell us, share? Beckett was a price listing of a price list of baseball cards. Every Wednesday, he would get the Beckett. And we went in Middle Village. There was a baseball card store. Shocking. Royal, yeah? Yeah. Shocking. A baseball card store. How the heck could a guy make business in a store, a baseball card store? Is this Royal Collectibles? Huh? I, don't, I, I would think it's Royal. It's Royal, right? Yeah, so Avi used to go with me and... We used to buy all the time boxes of baseball cards. I did not know that my son was having a little industry in a, a little cottage industry, so what they call it, selling baseball cards to kids from all the yeshivas, and they're all coming to my house. I thought that it was so nice that everybody was like coming to visit Avi. I didn't know that what, what was going on in the underground, which we found out when we had an irate mother called us about it. But whatever. We okay, whatever. So I'm in the baseball card store, and there's a uh, on the wall. There's a card. I don't know what it was. I'll just make it up right now. It was a Mickey Mantle, a Babe Ruth, like uh, rookie card. Imagine Babe Ruth rookie card. It was 
I remember it was $1,500, and we're going back now 20 years. And I, I, I couldn't believe that a baseball card could be whatever the price was. So I said to the guy in the store, I said to him, because I knew this halacha, I said to him, I have no interest to buy this card. I'm telling you right now, and I remember saying to him, if I had all the money in the world, I still wouldn't buy this card. So I don't want any illusions here that you might have a business deal here, okay? But I would like to see the card. That I, I want to know what is worth so much money. So he, he brings in, he shows it to me, and he says to me, uh, like, like, wh- how, like, why did you say that? I told him, because I'm a rabbi, and according to Jewish law, if I have absolutely... I'm not talking about, like, right now, I can't afford a new car. Okay? So am I allowed to go, let's say, to a Volvo, you know, uh, place? Because I'm not going to buy a BMW, so... Okay, so whatever, I... Uh, whatever. Am I allowed to go to a you know to a, a dealership and test drive a car if I'm not going to buy it? Well, if I I'm not buying it today, but maybe tomorrow when I have money I will. You know, that's not the prohibition here because you're still going under the possibility that might not be today, but when I have money I would consider if I drove and I I liked it and I liked the way they were treating me. I, but if, if there's no chance on this planet that I'm ever going to buy that baseball card, which was the case, then I'm not allowed to ask you. And, le- and at least I have to inform you. I have to inform you. He told me that he thought that there was the most beautiful law that he ever heard. He said people come all day long and make him crazy, and he has to smile, and he has to show the goods, even though he knows that there's no chance that these people are going to be buying what he's showing. And he has to do it, because otherwise he'll be out of business. But the halacha says that if you know that there's nothing to talk about, then you can't go in there and make people crazy, because of whatever reason you have. You might be angry at the guy in the store, and therefore you might be going in. I remember, I don't know if you want to do this, but I used to go to in the old city, when I used to go to the Arab market, I, I, wouldn't, I haven't gone to the shuk in years, but I, when I was single, I used to go and try to buy, you know, an, a shirt. They didn't have my size, you know? So they were running around trying to, you know, find one that would fit the American fat rabbi, but <laughs> which they don't have. But, okay, not allowed to do that. Okay. Fight it. That's hey, case number um, one. Did the guy tell you why the card was worth so much or no? I don't remember. I guess they weren't too many of them. All right. Okay. Okay. Now, the next thing is a little bit nasty, but you might, people in business do all sorts of things. The people who have cattle are looking to buy uh, livestock feed. They need feed. So, you know, you hear them talking in shul that they need to buy some feed, right? Okay, I've seen that in New Hampshire. I've seen life, I feed, you know, there's places that do that. You can't tell them, you can't go and say, you know, I think that you should go down the road. There's a, a place that I, I think they're really good, you know. And you know that they don't have anything to sell over there because that's just sticking it to the guy over in that store. 
You know, you got that? Maybe I'm not saying it right. Somebody comes in, somebody's talking to you, and he wants to desperately buy uh, some jewelry. And you go and tell him, that he, yeah, you should go and talk to this guy. And you know that that guy has no inventory whatsoever, and his credit is bad right now, so he can't do a thing. And you're just eating him out right now, just eating him out. You got somebody whose friend is a Balchuva. Lo Yomer Lo, you shouldn't say to him, You remember the good old days? Yeah, you remember those days when you were hanging out, you know, and with the non you remember that non Jewish woman that I driving on Shabbos. Driving on Shabbos. You remember those days? You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do that. Imhoya ben Gerim. By the way, that was my dad. Imhoya ben Gerim. If a person is the child of converts, we're not even talking about a convert. Lo yomer lo, you can't say to him. Zichor masay avosecha. You know, you got to remember where you're coming from. Got to remember. You know, it's in the genetics. I mean, you know, I'm happy to marry you, but I don't know. Not everybody's going to marry you because, you know, you know, whatever. That is like usser, like bad usser, big bad usser. Imhoya, this is a good one. This is the frumi. You know, there's, there's different types of people. There's the nasty guy. There's the stupid guy. And then there's the, this is the frumi now. Imhoya, you surin all of. You have a friend or you know somebody and he's going through pain. You know, he's like... I don't know. He's got mouth. He's like he's got his mouth is hurting him. He's in pain. You know, you shouldn't say to him like Eob's friend said. Job's friend said to Job, you know. Remember, God doesn't. Things don't just happen. Mihunaki, who is really clean of doing bad things. Obviously, if you're in pain, it's time to do a little tshuva. Didn't just happen. If your right hand is broken and the right side is chesed, maybe you're not doing enough chesed. You can't, that, don't, that's not true. But I'm just saying, you know, not allowed to do that. That's called giving pain. So somebody could say, I'm not giving pain. I'm giving him musr. I'm giving him direction. No, you're not. No, you're not. You have to think about what it, the, you have to think about what you're doing. Just because you want to say something, and maybe you're right, maybe you're right, but you have to know how the other person is going to take it. Well, you the know, rabbi is hired for that type of thing. You allowed to? Like what? I know there are people who go to like Israel to serve in Kabbalists. And they'll say to him, they'll ask him, why is this going wrong? But you, you got the person who is a real Kabbalist, he would do it in a very sensitive way. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with telling somebody, if I knew that you, not you, if I knew that somebody needs to give a little bit more tzedakah because I know that they need to give more tzedakah, there's one way to say it, which is, you know, tzedakah is a really beautiful thing. It helps you, it helps your neshama, it helps all the Jewish people. I mean, you, you can educate your children and everything, that's one way. And then there's another way to say it, which would be like something like, you know, 
you know, money doesn't last long. Right now you have some money, but pretty soon if you keep this up, you're going to be on welfare, you know. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, you understand. Bad. You just don't do it. Don't do that. Don't do it. Um, Are you allowed to talk about past events? For example, can a rabbi say, I think this is why the Holocaust happened? God forbid. They're not allowed to not say Not the that. Holocaust stuff. So we, say they should keep the mouth shut if they don't know what they're talking about. Nobody who has any sense will ever say and, something. And there is rabbis that have said it. Uh, so who says they have sense? Right. <laughs> How could a person say something about if a person wants to say that one element that of there were a lot there were Every person who, every Jewish person, and for, I'm going to include, and also non-Jews who are good people, every Jewish person who died in the Holocaust, whether they were religious or not religious, went straight to heaven because they were killed because they were Jewish. And that's called a Harugi Malchus, somebody who was killed because they were Jewish, and the Gemara says that there's no level higher than that. So they're Kedoshim. Many people don't don't name anybody after somebody who was killed in the Holocaust because they were holy people. That's first of all. Is it true that true is there is, is it true that there was a lot of assimilation and lots of bad things happening in Europe? That's true. You know. Do you think the opposite that you would name after them because they're I'm not a capitalist, but they people don't. But um, I don't know. What do I know? My name. I have a name that was named after somebody who got killed in the Holocaust. But one of my names. I have three names. But um, actually, he wasn't killed in the Holocaust. What happened was he was he came over to America. He was in Ellis Island. He came down with a cold. Or something like that, a flu, a cold, something like that. And they sent them back to Poland. And then he got killed in Auschwitz. So I don't know, is that called the killed in the Holocaust? Yeah. No, I'm, that's a sad story, right? But the other ones didn't die in the Holocaust, they died in America. Okay. Anyway, um, is it true that there might be a, that there's a component? In the Holocaust or in any time there's a calamity? The Holocaust is, remember, the Holocaust is just a, uh, a, um, a gigantic tragedy. But in essence, when you have a person killed in a, in a terror attack, it's a, in a way, it's like a mini Holocaust. I mean, I'm not comparing it. So that's why you should take that out because somebody could misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's the same as gas chambers for little kids. I, I'm not. I'm not. You know what I mean. I'm, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying when people die because of ba bad things that happen, there's always a component potentially that people could say. But for a person, I mean, there's no component. You can't say it. You can't say it. Nobody. The Lubavitcher Rebbe who lost a brother and a sister in the Holocaust never said that. Nobody says that. The words are nobody's sensitive. Nobody talks like that. You're talking about, first of all, sometimes. Turn it off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What's that thing? 
very sad. Very, very sad. They should not talk. People, rabbis have to be very careful what they say, including myself. You got to be really careful what you say. And you have to be very, you have to go out of your way to be very, very sensitive. You don't know what people go through. How can you tell somebody, think about it, you're putting a word out that the people, that the Holocaust was caused or partially caused by people sinning, okay? So you're blaming my grandmother? Not my grandmother. Good Jewish people. They were good human people. They didn't want to die. They didn't want that. It was the other side that's evil. Because if you take it too far, then you could start saying that the Germans burned so bad. Because after all, they were just vehicles of the master of the world, right? And then you could even start thinking that the same thing applies with terrorists. Right? And the same thing applies with anybody that does anything bad, that after all, it's not their fault. They're just shlichim, messengers of God. Now, there might be some truth to it, but not enough truth that you focus on it. I mean, try it, see. The problem was, they were, what? we had to go down somewhere to Mitzrayim. We had to be Correct. exiled. Correct. But they didn't have to be so evil, That's so therefore right. they were punished. So That's right. the Nazis were also oh, way evil. Sure. So. You know, we use the word in Israel by the religious Jews, unfortunately, not just religious Jews. We use the word Nazi. We took, we made the word Nazi He's acting like a Nazi. It's like it became, it became like it's a crazy thing. If somebody doesn't politically agree with you, so he's a Nazi. What do you mean he's a Nazi? A Nazi took a bayonet and stuck it in between the eyes of little babies. Nazis, I mean, what if you read what they did? I mean, they, but, but we call people Nazis. That's not true. We call Jews Nazis because they go into Mayor Sharon and fight about, about conscription in the army. It's, it's really a scary thought. <laughs> it's, it's really crazy if you think about yeah. it. You think about what, I mean, calling another person. You know, the Kosenberger Rebbe, he lost 10 children and his first wife. And after the Holocaust, he rebuilt. But he said that after the Holocaust, he could not believe that two Jewish people could ever fight with each other. He couldn't believe it. When he saw a fight, he couldn't believe it. You know, crazy. So don't listen. They are whoever they are. They're wrong. You can't talk, you can't talk like that. You can't. You can't talk like that. You can't think like that. Because it's then you're blaming you're blaming, you're blaming you know. people. You can't do that. The Gemara says, once the angel of death gets loose, then it attacks everybody. That's like how do we under? I'm part of the way we understand it was. That for whatever the reason, the world went crazy, and once the world gets crazy, it's really hard to put it back into the, you know, back into its box. No, I was just saying, also, who are these, whoever these rabbis are, I'm sure they're very 
they're they're big sadiqim, I'm sure, but who, who are you to say that you you know why? Nobody, nobody knows. You know God's reasons for things, you know. That was a hard thing. That was a hard thing in World War II, after World War II. I think that that's why there was a, there certainly is a, if you speak to older Jews, older meaning uh, today, like you, like your grandmother's age, the 98-year-old one. So there's a, a phrase in Yiddish, Asmin Frekshon, which means if you ask the question already, is trade then the object is not kosher. Yeah, there was an idea that they, here Judaism starts off with the premise that I was told by Rafelsky, he asked, he said to me that the first time <coughs> that Moshe has a relationship with God is by the burning bush. And the first thing that Moshe says is, there's a bush that's burning and it's not being consumed. I'm gonna go see Madua, why is it not burning? You were supposed to ask questions to everything. But yet, after the Holocaust, people stopped asking questions. It became more, like, you don't ask. You don't ask so much. If you ask, it must be not kosher. Don't, don't ask. I think that was a reaction. I think it was because for many people, it was too, it was too big an issue to deal. We are a little bit distant a little bit right now. So, so we could make up these hypotheses which don't make sense but uh, to me my Rebbe Rafa would never speak like that the Babish Rebbe didn't speak like that you think it's more common now for this question to come up than before? no I think less common, less common? I think less because we're farther away for most people the Holocaust today is no different young, young kids for young high school kids that I'm teaching the Holocaust to them is almost as distant as the Crusades. <laughs> they don't, it's not, it, it's like it's so far away. It's a different century. It's a different century. Like, that's weird to think that. Like, it's a civil war to like, you. It's a civil war. Mm. I mean, tell them that you had a car as a kid without an air conditioner. They can't believe it. They don't believe it, actually. <laughs> a, car, no, a car without an air conditioner? You yeah. had a window? A thick, right? Yeah. I don't believe it. Is that really true? There's such a thing, a time before an air conditioner? Can you imagine on a submarine... They probably don't even remember 9-11. No, that's like... Uh, did you know that a submarine, World War II, the American submarine, that we're, you know, I'm, whatever, I'm focused on it right now. The American submarines in World War II had approximately 66 soldiers on the boat. 66 was the typical number. They had one toilet. One toilet. That's all I want to say. Talk about changes in the world. That's what they had. One toilet for 66 men. No yeah. air conditioning. Until about 40 years ago, most of the world didn't have toilets. No. It wasn't, it wasn't see, how many years ago? About 40, 50 years ago. Yeah, so World War II. Only in the last II, 20 years. Right, so World War II ended in 1945, started in 38. So you're talking about 70 years ago? It's only 70 years ago? Yeah. 75 years ago. It's a crazy death. No idea. They have no idea. The average kids have no idea. They're not relating. They have no idea. No idea anymore. 
It's not their fault. Everything we have is plastic. They had no plastics. Right? There were no plastics in World War II. Right? Right? There's no color TV. They didn't have black and white TV. We have, we have 42, yeah. Because yeah, TV is TV's an like outgrowth of 50s, radar. 60s? TVs? No, it's not 50s. 50s? Because t- radar, TV is an outgrowth of radar. radar yeah. And radar was <coughs> invented by the English in 1938 or 1939. They sold it to us. So what? They sold it to us. Yeah. Yeah. They sold all of their technology. For, for boats. No idea. I remember when. I remember when color TV began. I had a black and white TV. You had a black and white TV? I had a black and white TV. I had a black and white TV. I had a black and white TV. So we have to be nice. That's the bottom line. We gotta be nice. I had more stuff here, but we'll do it another time. Yeah, be nice. Just be nice. Don't say nasty things. What? doesn't change. This is a whole different world than World War II. If you think about it, you had American soldiers going on these planes, right? The B-27, whatever they were, the flying fortresses. And they're flying over Germany, and Germany shooting them down. They're getting shot down. And the American soldiers kept on going. They just kept on going. Think about that. So you get people now, they're all dealing with whether they're male or female. They don't know what they are. I put them on a submarine. It's like, it's a really, it's, it's a whole different... To me, what's scary is that I, I think that the enemies of your country know when you're being weak and crazy. And then they attack. And then you have to man up a little bit but that's what scares me a little bit because if i'm reading the newspaper about you know that in san francisco today there was a big big thing at one of those um city meetings that somebody had the audacity to say that men biological men are usually stronger faster and taller than women and one of the, you know, the trans women, men or whatever, disagreed. So you think China's not watching that? If I know that, then China knows that. Okay, one more thing for the night, just to end, because I heard this with my own ears, and this you know, I can hear anyplace else. There was a great Sadik, his name was Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky. I tell this to my son, my family, they think I'm crazy, so if you don't like this, just throw it out. But I think it's pretty cool. Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky was the... Uh, oh, Sasha? Huh? No, no. Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky is the grandfather of Yaakov, uh-huh. who was the head of Tarvadas. He was a big, 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 big man. Big man. So he used to go to Tarvadas at the end of every year to talk to the, to the Bachran and the Beisman. And I was there one year. It was in 1981 or 1982. In those days, the, there were a lot of movies and TV shows about aliens and space invaders. We had My Favorite Martian. We had Lost in Space. We had The Invaders. There were, it was like, it was, that was like the genre. It hasn't been like that. Nobody's watching any, no, it's not, nobody cares. But that was the big thing. So one guy asked Rav Yaakov if he believed in extraterrestrial life. 
And he said, it could be. And he brought a verse from Shiras Devara, the Song of Devara, found in Shmuel, where it says, Aru Meiros, cursed be Meiros, which sounds like Mars. Aru Yoshvah, cursed be the inhabitants, because they didn't come in the battle to fight, to help the Jews in the battle against Sisera, who was a Babylonian king, an Assyrian king. And then he said, but they don't have a Torah, which means they don't have freedom of choice. But they could be. Yeah. We so could just, be having space, like Space Man. That was just the Torah. By F-16 mm-hmm. that, that was just the oh, Torah of Bashalach. Yes. So, so. Yeah. yeah. Two weeks so we could be having them coming down with balloons. <laughs> I think there's something more advanced than a balloon. Yeah. Did it bother you about the, what the rabbi said about that? From a legal standpoint. There's two things in general which come into play. You have, on one side, you're not allowed to cause people to be in a compromising situation with their thoughts about you. And at the same time, you have to judge people favorably. So I'm not supposed to walk into a McDonald's where everybody sees me on Casino Boulevard and go order hamburgers, even if it's for my cleaning lady. I'm not supposed to do that because I'm putting you into a compromising situation of judging me. So I'm not allowed to do that. You, when you see me in McDonald's, you have to judge me favorably. It goes together like that. She should not dress inappropriately. We live in a world where women either don't know or don't care, but I think they don't realize. I've spoken to women many, many times about certain things where they just don't get it. They have no idea. They just don't understand. You just have to be conscientious of where you are. And what yeah. you're doing, like, yeah. you know, don't walk around somewhere, don't walk around a high primary with your Rolex out. Like that's just one of those right. things. Like, right. now, but let's and, say and, you and, do. And, 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 Is it so? Can you blame now? Can you blame the guy who's wearing the Rolex in the middle of a high crime area? Right? Can we blame him? No. No. It's the criminal who's doing it. Should he do? Should he drive around? In a, you know, in a, in a whatever. Maserati. Do you, I guess it's like, do you feel as bad or, you know, like, uh, you're still the victim. I, I feel bad, but I'm like, mm. victim, victim is victim. You said you can't go into a Volvo dealership. No. No, 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 BMW. No, no, BMW. 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 No, 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 no,